Before tonight's second presidential debate, there were rumors that Mike Pence would be leaving the ticket. Sorry, Mike. Looks like you're going to have to carry this one to full term. Trump versus Hillary starts now! You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin! Welcome, welcome, welcome to Trump versus Hillary. I am your moderator, Christian Blatt, on Twitter, at ChristianDMZ. And please, Trump vs. Hillary, you got to follow it on Twitter, at TrumpHillary16. We're uh, two men down, but we have three-fifths of a panel tonight, which I think is going to be more than enough. Maybe we'll actually be able to get some issues, but I'll just go ahead and mention Clinton Cash now at the top of the show. We'll get it out of the way. Clinton Cash, Clinton Cash, Clinton Cash. But to my left, for those of you watching on YouTube, Drexel Hurd at Drexel Hurd. And on the other end of the desk, Chelsea Galicia at Chelsea Galicia. Welcome to Trump versus Hillary. Uh, Stephen Helmkamp on assignment. Scott Moore moving, but also on assignment. Uh, and, and I realize Stephen's not going to be here for the next debate either. Well, I think, you, I think you just pretty much summed up what he would normally say in the show anyway. It would be a so. lot about Clinton Cash. But <laughs> is there a chance that he's just like, man, even though I wasn't for this guy, I wasn't for this Trump character, I just don't want any part of this anymore? I would hope so. I would hope I so. I can't too. wait to ask. But really, have you had indication that he's washing his hands entirely? Because she's, uh, she's Cricket Hillary. Uh, Clinton Cash, you know, there's a lot of issues. And look, I mean, what it comes down to, you're sort of making light of the fact that Steve is not here, but ultimately there are people who are just not Hillary people and voting for Trump, regardless of what that entails, is they're just not Hillary. They're the never Hillary crowd. They want to vote for somebody that will make sure she's not president. Uh, I don't know if Stephen's there, but do you feel like the events of the last few days would have changed any of those minds? Well, the the never Hillary people, are they suddenly like, well, okay, never Hillary, except that this might actually be the one situation where we have Hillary? Well, I just want to address a couple of things, because last week it got really personal, because I get really emotional when it comes down to uh, this election, because the election is really personal for a lot of people, and, and, and you know, uh, uh, sometimes I can get a little pointed in what I say, and, and obviously... Uh, um, uh, being pointed at Stephen last week was not. That was only really best. the second time in all the shows we've done. There have been two right. like personal I burns, right. and I don't normally get that personal. But I, I will say this about um, uh, something: I had the opportunity to uh, be at the United Methodist Church this morning and listening to Kamala Harris and Cory Booker uh, speak. And one of the things that we're constantly reminded in this election, and that, co- that I constantly press Stephen on um, during our shows is that um, folks like Stephen and folks like the Trump voters who are never Hillary never quite have a, never quite rally around policy that they believe in. Um, and it goes back to the saying that they always say, which is, or that folks say is, which is, um, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And in this case, uh, folks like Stephen and folks like uh, never Hillary supporters are falling for the trap that Republicans have set up for people time and time after again, where they don't talk about actual policy. Because as we know, the a majority of voters uh, who support Republican policies um, are low income voters who Republicans aren't helping in the first place. Uh, so um, I think that that is where they, that voters like that have to come to the realization that at the end of the day, um, they either have, you know, they can rally around social issues all they want to, but at the end of the day, it's not what puts food on their table. Right. And look, there are a lot of issues that we can talk about, but uh, before we even get to the debate, I think. Uh 
we'd be crazy if we didn't talk about the Trump video. And <laughs> as the female on the panel, obviously you did not have a particularly high opinion of Donald Trump. But after you hear that video, even if you didn't hear it and you just read about it, whatever the case, once you hear that that video has been released, what does it make you think about people who are still on the Trump bandwagon, people that are still voting for Trump, and also for the people that this was the final straw? We heard a number of people, you know, John McCain will no longer endorse him. Uh, how was it this? I don't you know? want anything to do with anyone that supports Trump. And you that felt endorses, that way beforehand, and then this is just... Well, I, before, I, I'm like, well, we can get all along civilly, we can be respectful. Right. And On I November still, 10th, we'll all be friends. I would. I still would respect them as a human being and not go out of my way to injure them or, you know, de- demean them. But I want nothing to do with anybody who can stand by that. Yeah, okay. I, I think that that's fair. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's such a divisive thing and it's so strange that it's part of a political, uh, you know, an election season. I mean, and- I just remember last week, was it a whole week ago? Last week when we were talking about all the reasons that I personally fear Trump because he's insulted me as a part of yes. group. The Mexican woman, and we were talking about, well, maybe he wouldn't call you Miss Piggy because you're thin. I'm like, oh, goodness, you know, thank goodness Lucky I'm Lucky you, safe. by the way, yeah. You know, dear God, what if he found me attractive? Then I would be... That would be worse. And, uh, ...fear again. So there's just no way that I feel safe at all with uh, Trump around or any Trump supporter who can just be like, eh, yeah, but... Still, I'm going to stand what, by him. And what we're sort of seeing a lot of from the the Trump camp, not even the Trump camp, sorry, but the Trump supporters and the Never Hillary people are, yes, Donald Trump said this, yes, it's terrible, and then it immediately, without taking a breath, but Bill Clinton, bad record with women, uh, you know, they will allege that he raped several women and that Hillary would then went after him, which is the way that makes it a connection because you involve Hillary. You don't just say Bill did all these things. Well, Hillary intimidated him. And in fact, we had a press conference before the debate today where uh, several of those women were brought out. Uh, they sat there with Donald Trump. I guess they were also at the debate. Uh, do you feel like, Drexel, do you feel like this is this is desperate, grasping at straws by the Trump campaign. I mean, you may have felt like there were things there, but this sort of seems like one of those, like, well, what the hell else do we have? Let's go after it. Let's go all in. Well, I think a lot of the things that Donald Trump's campaign has done over the past a couple of months has been pretty desperate. Um, <clears throat> I think that at the... You know, we saw in that press conference today a couple things. Steve Bannon was in the room, and I believe Steve Bannon pretty much orchestrated what we saw on the stage. Yeah, and in fact, there's a photo of Steve Bannon standing off on the side, and he has, you know, like the Jack Nicholson Joker smile painted on his face, because he's like, this is all my work, it's all come to fruition, finally we're going to talk about all these things about Bill Clinton. The other part of the press conference that happened today was the fact that those women that were up there, A, were all alleged uh, accusers of, of Bill Clinton, or accu- allegedly accused him of something. Right. Um, but they are they but are accusers. What they accusers, accused him right, is alleged. Is alleged. Yes. It's unproven. Uh, you know all that stuff. But they did not use that press conference to talk about uh, why they were there. Right. They spent the time going down the line talking about how they were Trump supporters, how they supported Trump. It was never about the reason why Trump brought them there. They were used as a pawn, once again, um, to somehow rattle um, 
or what they thought was going to rattle Secretary Clinton uh, and putting them in the front row. So uh, they weren't there for any other reason other than pure desperation. I think that when you when you have this tape coming out, when you go uh, a week about taxes and then you got a week about Elisa Machado and anything, you know, there was an article uh, today where producers of The Apprentice, uh, you know, I think it's going to come out a video where they talk about Trump using the N word. So I think that there they are, said that there's much worse than much this worse. Video. So I think yeah. I think they're trying to. Um, trying to fight back in any way they know how. You know, when you're in the dirt, uh, you get a little bit scrappy, and I think this is their version of scrappy. And I hate to bring up Cory Booker again, but he tweeted out something very funny today and called them Positively Outlandish Souls. So if you just take that acronym and think about it, uh, that's what a lot of those uh, never... um, uh, um, Hillary supporters, the never Hillary supporters, or the uh, some of them are irredeemable uh, members of the Trump camp are, and I believe that they are uh, positively outlandish souls. I was kind of disappointed that neither one of them brought up the fact that this kind of locker room talk is what's rape culture, and that it's promoting it, it's what's made it acceptable. For those of us that were shocked by the Brock Turner conviction of the, uh, weren't shocked by the conviction because he raped an unconscious woman, but the fact that he was sentenced to six months and then only served three. And some of us are so shocked by that, and we're like, oh, but now the man that half of America, I mean, maybe respects enough to put as a president is advocating those similar behaviors. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, it's it's obviously, you know, what we're seeing and, uh, you know, obviously it's a serious situation. I did see something funny online that uh, for Trump to talk about anything as locker room talk when it's very clear he hasn't been in the gym in a very long time <laughs> is fairly outlandish. Well, you know, that's that's a lot of stuff that happened outside of the debate. It was debate. positively outlandish. Positively <laughs> outlandish. Uh, there are a lot of things about the debate to talk about. I'm going to start off with uh, an early point. My wife uh, texted me during that there should have been a drinking game, that every time he says disaster, you take a drink. Uh, we would not be able to sit upright right now if we had done that. Uh, so it's, it's great in theory, but, you know, for people at home, that probably would have made it more bearable. Uh, there were some other things that I noticed. Trump was very subdued. Uh, I was wondering if he possibly was on quaaludes or one of those <laughs> trank darts that they use when they want to photograph a lion, you know, and they don't, you know, they want it to be just a little. Uh, he was very, very dialed down, which I remember when we talked about the first presidential debate. I think that, you know, he got ramped up and agitated. He kind of stayed the same level, which I think he had to at this point. Well, I think he walked in. To me, he appeared like a dog walking in with his tail between his legs. Okay. And he kind of kept that about him for a little while until he started arguing with the moderators about, hey, you're giving her more time than me and you're not interrupting her as much as you interrupt me. Yeah, I mean, there was some of that. And I also think that when you're walking around a stage, which he did, which he never stopped walking. Like, his pattern, his walk pattern. He did, he did lumber the around the stage. Uh, yeah. He never sat down. He always stood behind the uh, the chair. Um it, 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 maybe he was trying to intimidate Secretary Clinton because maybe that's he was the, trying to show his stamina. Show his stamina he can stand right. for and, ninety and, minutes, and uh, and I I don't think that that put him. I think that uh, it didn't show he was very comfortable up there, and uh, and you saw that just in all of his answers in terms of policy because he couldn't really you know he brought up. I mean, he just said basically, you said basically what he talked about the whole yeah. time. No, no, I mean, he has, you know, and there were you know, and Hillary did this to an extent too. There were a lot of things that if you watch the first debate. 
as it went on, you're like, okay, we've heard all this before, you know, all these very rehearsed pat answers, uh, and you felt like, you know, Trump had a few, a uh, few more of them. But I just want to bring up because go, I think yeah. that I always have a problem with people talking about rehearsed answers. I think if you know your policy yeah. well enough you are going to be rehearsed. If you know the nuts and bolts of what you want to do, that's not rehearsed. That's just prepared. That's just you know exactly what your policy is. And Donald Trump not being able to say, you people can write it off and say, oh, well, he's just thinking off the cuff. Well, no. The fact that he hasn't talked about Syria with his vice presidential nominee me, and the fact that his vice presidential nominee could, last week could not talk about his Syrian policy yeah. means that he doesn't actually have or know policy. And the fact that he brought up Mosul, which is not even in Iran, which is not even in, or not even in uh, Syria, it, it, it's that's what I'm. That's what we're getting at is the fact that he just does not have a policy. Well, and it's interesting you mentioned Mike Pence because uh, obviously there, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there were sort of a rumbling that he might leave the ticket. Which, as you have read more in the hours since, that doesn't seem to be the case. But he didn't tweet once during the debate. I don't know if he's tweeted after because we've been in here getting ready. But uh, he didn't tweet once during the debate. Uh, Tim Kaine was, uh, you know, a little uh, a little uh, lapdog puppy, just like, yes, 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 everything you say is great, Hillary. But Mike Pence was like, no, 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 I'm out. Uh, well, that's and then, the difference between a vice presidential candidate who supports their nominee, who supports their partner, yeah. and one who doesn't. Well, <laughs> I, I think that we're seeing a lot more where I think for Pence that this opportunity, you know, if he were to leave the ticket, it would be because he's gotten everything he can out of it at this point, which is, you know, having the opportunity to maybe be the front runner for 2020. An opportunist. Right. <laughs> uh, and, I, you know, one thing I saw on Twitter in terms of policy was people were upset that uh, Hillary was being asked so much about Bill's opinions and things that Bill Clinton did. Uh, and an interesting point, and I'm sorry I didn't write down who said it. I did for a few things, but this was one that I didn't. Said that uh, it would be like asking Melania about health care. You know, it's like, well, you know, just if you're going to do that to Hillary, why don't, why don't you do that for her? Uh, and then one other thing from Twitter, uh, Greg Gutfeld from Fox News said that Trump is like a guy who calls in to talk radio, which uh, I thought was very funny because he's, uh, you know, he's got a very well-rehearsed, he's got all this anger that, uh, you know, come ebbs and flows as the course of the uh, debate goes along. Uh, anyway, uh, I think overall... That uh, this was another uh, thing I saw on Twitter uh, in terms of summarizing the debate. Republican pollster Neil Newhouse, he said Trump was playing to his base, reinforcing every voter who was already for him. 40% of the vote isn't going to be enough to win. And that's basically much more eloquently than I was able to. That was kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, he's saying everything that his people want to hear. The people that are going to vote for him, no matter, you know, it doesn't matter what the next tape is, what video, you know, it doesn't matter what he says at a rally. These are the people who are going to vote for him. It probably is around 40%. There are other people who will probably end up deciding to vote for him too, for whatever reason. But there are the diehard you know, either pro-Trump or anti-Hillary people. And uh, I'll start with you, Chelsea. Do you feel like that's basically what Trump did? Is he just reinforced his standing with the people whose minds were already made up? Yeah, he didn't say really anything new that would attract any undecided voter. I, I can't imagine anything new that somebody thought, oh, hey, now there's something I haven't heard of that sounds like a good idea that I'm going to uh, place my vote on him. So I think that's all that we can say. Right, and uh, you being someone who was not inclined to be won over by Donald Trump, I think even objectively you could look and see, I don't see how anyone else would really be won <laughs> over by any of these things. I mean, to be fair, there were a couple of fair points that he had, 
Uh, is it because he mentioned Bernie Sanders three times? No, and the way that, that Bernie he... Sa- that could have been Bernie, another drinking Ber- game. Bernie Sanders says that she has terrible judgment three times. <laughs> I was hoping for four, but uh, we had a hat trick of Bernie mentions, yes. Yeah, but the problem is, is that somebody like me, a Bernie supporter who really you know, follows Bernie, understands that Bernie supports Hillary as much as it was a contentious primary and there are a lot of huge differences in principles and huge. opinions. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if that's what he said, and, and there's just there's just no option. I can't, I couldn't, with a, a clean conscience, vote for Trump. And then, you know, Jill Stein or Gary Johnson, first I have issues with both of them, and that's just not really going to happen. Either one of those is not going to happen. Right. So, really, Hillary is the only choice that I really have, if we can call it a choice. But to be fair to Trump, he did make a fair point about we have a habit of arming rebels who turn out to be worse than the governments that we are trying to defeat. That does turn out to be true a lot of the times, and I think that that should be something that we really take a look at and consider before we choose to arm people. Uh, I I believe that uh, we uh, certainly uh, trained and armed uh, Osama bin Laden at one point. I mean, that's obviously the biggest uh, example that we have. But yeah, Yeah. it it, it would be nice. I mean, I don't know if it was accurate, but it was part of when he was saying to Hillary, you don't know which ones the rebels are in Syria. Yeah, you don't know who they are. And while that might not be the point... but to what you're saying is like, yeah, let's just be careful who we side with in these conflicts. Which is which is very funny because I think in that same breath, he taught he defended the actions of Russia, Iran, and Syria and their actions on um, what he perceives as their um, strategy towards ISIS, not realizing that. America is leading that fight because there is a coalition, and it is the American coalition that is directing all of these other nations uh, to make that happen. So um, I I think that to the point of Donald Trump on the in terms of the debate, I thought he got a a lot of good jabs in for his uh, base. Um, I thought that... um, I'm just getting so tired of them. They just seem so childish by now. But here's the thing. I think that those jabs won't move anybody because I think that um, they weren't effective. Um, His initial jab about the women... um, the press conference and then bringing them in the hall and then bringing them up in the debate didn't have much of an effect because it was over in an instant. Yeah. Then there was the then then he he said to Anderson, "Why aren't you bringing up the emails?" The question was about the emails, and then they talked about it, and then he brought up WikiLeaks right after them. It was I, brought up WikiLeaks right after I, that, and then that went nowhere. I so, think that there were a lot of opportunities to legitimately be critical of both of the moderators, but he did say that basically right after Martha Raddatz had brought up the emails. Right. So I was like, so I, not, I don't think you're so, listening so, because save that bullet for when they legitimately got into a point, Martha more so than Anderson. I, by the way, I think they both did a terrible job. But uh, I think that uh, Martha Raddatz basically got into a debate with Donald Trump. I mean, she did. And yeah. I think, and I goes, I said this before, the, I think Martha Raddatz was kind of over it. Yeah, um, which I, her job is not to be over right. it. She pulled, which, a candy, she pulled a candy crowley and I think I, people will, I was, talk, yeah. will talk about that a little bit. I mean, uh, post- debate analysis they'll talk about uh, the fact that I and I think that Martha Raddatz is such a um, she's such a good journalist that she wants to keep the facts um, up front and center like you know in the last debate uh, Lester Holt said oh well you actually did say that about Iraq right. and then Martha Raddatz just took it uh, too much of a step I think that the tone was a lot up. different and you know people were critical of Lester Holt after that debate right. not, not here on this panel I think we all felt like he did a fair job and by way of comparison, I think we see now, like, oh, yeah, you know what? He did a great job because 
you know, and I understand that they're trying to, you know, get points in there and back and forth, but it should essentially be up to the other candidate to disprove things. Mm-hmm. And it was not the extent of Candy Crowley, but it felt a little bit a little like that. Yeah. But it was also a little unfair that the fact that they spent four minutes, they essentially spent four minutes giving Donald Trump airtime yeah. um, to talk about nothing. It just kind of went on and on and on. Uh, and Martha Raddatz was, um, uh, had a hand in that. And yeah. where they could have had two more questions at the end of the debate, they only got one more question in, and that had a lot to do with that four. And, and if you, you know, we're here in the studio, and, you know, we only do a 45-minute to an hour show, which can go by like that, but it's also a lot of airtime to fill up. Yeah. And four minutes on that stage is a lot on of On that stage, four minutes airtime. Is, yeah. And, you know, he complained a lot about how Hillary Clinton got 30 seconds more, a minute mm-hmm. more, when he got four minutes of uninterrupted. Hillary Clinton didn't say a single word during that four minutes or say, hey, his time is clearly blinking and the red light's on. But wait, he was doing a lot Yeah, there was some pointing, which <laughs> I was wondering what that was. You know, was that like, are we having dinner afterwards or whatever? I, I wasn't quite sure. But I think that to their credit, I, I would say that both Anderson Cooper and Martha Raddatz did their part to at least give the appearance of impartiality. They tried to be uh, tough on Hillary. They were much tougher on Donald Trump. I feel some years, some election cycles, you can feel like, oh, they're doing a good job of keeping their beliefs out of it. I think with Donald Trump, it is very hard. And right. I would assume Martha Raddatz, as a woman, is taking it very <laughs> personally. Right. And it was, you know, and again, I don't think that they did a good job because of it. I'd be very interested to see what Chris Wallace does uh, when they announce who the moderators were. He was the one that I feel like will be the toughest on both of them, and it will be the most fair. That doesn't mean that Donald Trump will complain the most, but I do feel like that one will be interesting. Uh, but what I wanted to kind of circle back to for you, Drexel, was do you feel like there could be undecided voters that were convinced that Donald Trump you know, they're just like, you know what, tape from 11 years ago is not as important as these other issues. He talked about, you know, even Chelsea found something that she thought like, well, he did have a good point about this. Do you think it's possible that from just tonight's debate alone that someone could come away with, I'm going to at least think a lot harder and consider Donald Trump now, whereas I didn't think I would? Mm, probably not. I, I, I just don't think that it goes back to what I said earlier is that, you know, there's nothing that Donald Trump actually stands for in terms of policy. And unfortunately for Mike Pence, who has been a legislator, has been a governor, that doesn't really bode well for people like that and um, or voters in general. So I think that that undecided voters will take away the fact that Donald Trump has no policy that he actually addressed. I mean, we talked about uh, let's see, taxes, which he did fine. I mean, I think taxes and the economy are something that But he Republicans, said that sh- she was going to raise taxes. Right, which on the, I'm, that's I, I, not I'm in terms of policy, like in terms of like trickle down, like the core Republican stance on the Like taxes. actually like, talking actually about talk, like he what knows he would what do. the what the Republican stance on taxes are. Okay, great. He can talk about that. Um, obviously, he doesn't really have a policy in Syria. He doesn't have a, he, he talked about Justice Scalia uh, being uh, his standard for uh, Supreme God, Court. Please. But he no. didn't talk but he didn't talk about reasons uh, why he would support somebody like Justice Scalia, uh, where Hillary Clinton rattled off Citizens United, voting rights, Roe v. Wade, marriage equality, um, and uh, and not siding with corporate interests as her litmus test for uh, the type of Supreme Court justice. So, um, and then when he had the question about health care coverage, like 
you know, from the beginning, and I put this on Facebook, which is the fact that uh, Donald Trump agreed with Hillary Clinton from the beginning of the debate and then praised her uh, the, her handling uh, of, of the way that she fights for the American people towards the end. So it kind of bookended itself with Donald Trump. Um, there and, was a lot of disagreement in between. A lot of disagreement but, uh, in between. But at the end of the day, he agreed with her three or four times in the last debate. Mike Pence agreed with the policies of the Clinton-Cain ticket in the, in the VP debate. And Donald Trump seems to be agreeing quite a few bit, quite a bit uh, with the policy of the Clinton-Cain uh, that Democrats have put forth in this debate. Uh, one more uh, point about undecided voters. Uh, my friend Mindy brought this up on Facebook, uh, and it was a question that we got from a woman, a Muslim woman, and she asked the question, if you're a Muslim woman, or I guess a Muslim, how are you still undecided, considering what Donald Trump has said about you? So I'll start with Chelsea. Do you think that that says more about Hillary Clinton that a Muslim woman is still not 100% on board with Hillary Clinton and might consider someone who, you know, hasn't been kind to her people. Let's just be very uh, euphemistic about it. I don't know. That's kind of fair, and it's kind of a tough question. I mean, I understand that there are a lot of reasons not to like Hillary. I was very uh, Bernie, 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 sure. and verging on Bernie or bust. So I kind of get that. You 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 giggle. I'm not. I'm, no, I'm just. I, I I I love the turnaround. That's what I'm saying. I'm laughing at the turn. Like I mean, where you are now versus where we started. Appreciate your well, personal appreciate growth. The, yeah. Is that what you're going to try to say? <laughs> no, I'm saying that you know she started saying where where she is now and where she was, and I love it. I think it's great. I I don't know how somebody goes this long. We're pretty far in at this point, but I, I've, I've thought that a lot of years. I think usually the choice is very clear. It's been a long time where there's one where you're like, yeah, there, you know, uh, there were definitely arguments for certain campaigns. I think that people, you know, at that point in 2000, I think they were like, well, you know, there's not that much different between Al Gore and George W. Bush, which. In hindsight, people probably find preposterous, but that's the last time I kind of remember because it's been pretty stark differences ever since. Uh, so it's a little surprising because I feel like, you know, it's not one or two things that you're like, oh, they won me over on this. Oh, but I really like her on that. They're very different approaches uh, to being president. But I also don't... Very different views of the entire uh, world. Right. right. I mean, you know, at the beginning, Hillary even made the point is that she thinks America's already great because we're good people and Trump's whole point, he has the red hats that say it, is to make America great again. Your point, George. I, I also don't think that anybody... I don't think that a majority of that room was undecided in general. I think that everybody kind of had an idea of where they leaned. Yeah. Um, I think that Muslim woman probably wasn't as undecided as we... As, because there's 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 got to be some sort of diversity in that room. Yeah. And I think that um, the questions that were posed, you know, that question that she said was very pointed at Donald Trump. The question that the... Um, that um, uh, Mr. Clark... The, the the African American guy in the audience said was very pointed yeah. uh, question. So I don't think that they were undecided. I think that they wanted to get into that room to ask a very specific question because they didn't feel like that question would be asked by them. Right. And you know, to speaking about the audience, there's uh, someone in particular that I would like to highlight as we have a photo for them. <laughs> uh, I think I don't know. Any, this guy did not ask a question, but his face <laughs> kind of says it all. And to me, this face says. I'm not buying bullshit from either one of these people. 
I can't believe anything I'm hearing tonight. How do I have to vote for these two losers? I, I, I would. I and would Seth Meyers out- is apparently sitting behind. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to for two things. I would like to point out that Paul Ryan was also in that debate in in that hall of undecided voters, so he might be voting for Hillary Clinton. Um, <laughs> second, oh, by the way, he's definitely he's voting for Hillary definitely Clinton. voted for Hillary Clinton unless he's like going Gary Johnson. Right. I, I think yeah. Donald. I think at the end of the day, Donald Trump might vote for Hillary. But this Clinton. guy to but, me is the American people. But because this, this guy's face actually came up on the screen when Donald Trump talked about. Uh, the African Americans. Yes, like that's that 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 photo we, that you're that seeing. That was not it, the only time I saw him. But, but you're right. That's right. when this and one. And I think from. I think that face was uh, a majority of the time when Donald Trump was talking, and probably less time when Hillary Clinton was talking. Right. But I think to to my point, I think a lot of people do feel that way. They're like mm-hmm. they're voting for Hillary because they're going to hold their nose because it's like there's so much wrong with her, but it it just doesn't even compare. And you feel like that guy is like, all right, I'm going to vote for Hillary, I guess. But, but here's the thing. I think that the the reason – and people talk to me all the time about the rise of Donald Trump. The rise of Donald Trump is not about Hillary, Hillary Clinton's policies. The Republicans never attack Hillary Clinton on policy. They always attack her on something that they've dreamed up. The the or something well, I think that, they, that there are there are cases about you know they, they talk about Obamacare. They, they talk, talk about, about Obamacare in the sense that this was the Obama policy, not the Hillary Clinton right, policy. and that she's going to continue she, it though. Right, yeah. but they're attacking. They're not attacking Hillary Clinton for her actual policies. Right. They're attacking Hillary Clinton for the for whatever Breitbart has brought up today or whatever WikiLeaks has dropped out today. Um, you know, whereas Chelsea can sit up here and talk about actual policy that she doesn't believe. Even or that she doesn't agree with with Hillary Clinton. You've never seen Donald Trump. You've never seen uh, any Republican get out there and talk about re- and, and and voters talk about why they don't agree with Hillary Clinton. They just talk about what they've regurgitated uh, from some things like she's going to news. take your guns away. Things, yeah, right, and yeah. to the fact that she felt that she had to bring up Second Amendment, which where I, I didn't thought, even think. I didn't think Donald Trump brought up I Second Amendment say in that, that question yeah. at all. Where she felt. That hey, well, he listen. did. He said the Second Amendment is under siege, okay. which I don't even know how that's true. Right. It's Just like the war, I, I think, it's like the war on coal. By right. The way. And I yep. goes and, and I and I and so I don't think that um, um, that they're actually like I said they're actually attacking here. They don't really believe in policy that actually matters, and that's the Never Trump movement. But there were some other really concerning things that people should take into account. That a Donald Trump really has no concept of the American government and actual civics. Um, and point in you case, mean when he keeps saying you've had thirty years, thirty years. Well, 30 that's, years. well, that, well that's that an too. interesting point that he made too. Is but, he talked about you know her time as a senator, and she's like, I I've was only been a senator, senator for eight years. Well, but I was a senator with a Republican president, and you're right. one senator out of a hundred. Right. Yeah, and there's a house of four hundred. Do you think he knew that she was one out of a hundred? By the way, <laughs> I, no, I he was because only but, because she was in his state that he really. Kind of, that's true. I mean, it just shows that he thinks that he, any one person gets into government and then they're able to put into effect anything that they want. And I think he he fully expects to be able to do that to sit down on day one and you know kick Um, all the Muslims out. But that's but that's build the wall. But that's been the policy, and not only in that answer on uh, the way that he wants to round up uh, Mexicans on day one, um, kick Muslims out, but he also talked very dangerously about using the executive branch to go after political opponents, which is something that Vladimir Putin does in Russia, and which is why he likes Vladimir Putin so much. But he doesn't know him. He says he doesn't, he doesn't know him. He doesn't, doesn't know, him. know anything know about Russian policy. Yeah. But but somehow he can praise Russia. Somehow he can praise Russia in one in one breath, and then not know about Russia in the next breath. And to the point that. 
Ari Fleischer, who used to be President Bush's um, press secretary, yep. tweeted out, winning candidates don't threaten to put opponents in jail. Presidents don't threaten prosecution of individuals. Trump, wrong on this. Um, using the Justice Department to go after a political opponent, again, is a dictator move. And Hillary Clinton should have said, in that moment, you are acting like Vladimir Putin. This is something that countries uh, like uh, uh, like uh, Bashir Assad uses in his country, uh, folks in Russia, and, and dictators around the world. So I think that could have been an opportunity yeah, to Yeah, I want to get some uh, comments from the chat room and before they scroll up. Uh, and Saeed5674, uh, who has uh, been in the chat room before. Thanks for being here tonight. Uh, I am Muslim, and my friends who are Republicans, the minute he started to talk about registering Muslims and won the primary, said they're voting for Hillary. Uh, that's sort of what I was kind of expecting, you know, the idea of the undecided uh, Muslim. Uh, our friend Jeff Graham joining in, but shout out to us. He did help us uh, catch something in the last uh, the VP debate. Uh, Keith Torello points out a quote from Barack Obama in 2008. She will say anything and do nothing. Uh, we heard uh, Donald Trump kind of echo that sentiment. Uh, obviously, you know, President Obama was running against her during, you know, also another uh, tightly contested pres- uh, primary campaign, mm-hmm. much like Bernie Sanders did. Right. You say a lot of things, but ultimately, you know, when I- Obama was the nominee, I mean, for goodness sakes, Hillary Clinton was his secretary of state. So <laughs> right. clearly they've, you know, mended any fences. But, but it goes back to something. I read an article today in BuzzFeed News, which, you know, I think it's BuzzFeed is starting to try to you know, test their journalistic uh Put their foot, their toe in the water, and they're sowing their news. journalistic oats, right? Yeah, and um, you know the WikiLeaks uh, dump came out this week, and obviously it didn't say much that people didn't already know. Uh, there was the Podesta emails that were kind of brought up in well. this. Well, stuff that people, stuff that people <laughs> from a Bernie person who was asking for these transcripts for right. a year, but but even even reading those, there was nothing in it that was like, oh my god, it's so, so shocking. I it think. just confirmed what we knew. I think it would have made a much bigger difference if they had been dropped in the primary. Right, but here's. And somebody asked me this weekend what I thought about it, and I was like, it, it, there's nothing in those transcripts that um, I think when you're being paid money, yes, you want to lift those, you want to lift spirits up, and you want to tell them, which is she did, uh, that we want to work with you in terms of figuring out uh, policies that actually work. And I think that I think that at the end of the day, you're not going to bring, yeah, at the end of the day, you're not going to bring somebody into a room that has no clue how not to do X, Y, and Z. And I think you've got to have people both in the room. You've got to have the Bernie Sanders side on one side of the table, and you've got to have the Wall Street people on the other side of the table, because she talks a lot about bipartisan, working bipartisan, working across the aisle to try to figure out how things are going to work. I'm cringing. On the other, on the, right, and, 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 Chelsea and, I, and Chelsea and I completely disagree on, on that, because at the end of the day, I'm like, listen, we want to get money out of politics. Yes, everybody's on the same page as that. Um, but you no, have, we're not. We're on the same page as that. I think Secretary Clinton brought it up today in today's debate. You wrote it down. I watched you do it. And she talked about that. Uh, during, she mentioned during, it. She, she mentioned, mentioned Citizens United, which is a Citizens United important but small she, component. She mentioned, she mentioned Citizens United, and she talked about uh, um, uh, Supreme Court justices not being on the side of corporate interests. All the time. So, okay. Yes. Right. But at the same time, I think people, the other th- part of that is that people forget that opposition research is a part of campaigns. What you have on another candidate is the job of a campaign chairman is the job of uh, a good campaign manager. And I think that anything that came out that was in those emails that were about Bernie Sanders is the job of the campaign chairman. Same thing with Barack Obama. I think that Barack Obama... 
knew exactly what to say about what he thought to say about Hillary Clinton, and then at the end of the day, you you do the jab, you get in, you get out, and you win the election. I think and that's what happened. Chelsea, I'll give you plenty of time to talk about that. But a couple things in the chat room. Susan Erickson says, Ivanka Trump went on vacation with Putin's girlfriend just a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Doesn't seem to know him. Right. Uh, these are for uh, Kay Crutchfeld, uh, 31. Uh, Drexel is spot on tonight and completely right that Hillary should have uh, pointed that out about the prosecution. Shout out to Drexel. Brenda agreed with Drexel, too. He is spot on. All right. So a little Drexel praise. Now, <laughs> Chelsea, uh, you feel like if these had come to light during the course of the primaries, that could have helped Bernie. What specifically did you see in this WikiLeaks dump that you think would have been helpful that you were hoping to see earlier in this election cycle? That the regulation of Wall Street was left best left to the industry itself. That's okay. not what she said, but okay. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not but what, that's what you took from what, <laughs> that's not I, what she I'm, said. I'm obviously, I'm condensing it down into four seconds so that I can poignantly answer a question and not have a lot of fluff and yada yada. I'm just wanting to get straight down to the point. That's essentially the point that was, was made. Uh, and the whole idea that this is just, you know, some research that she did to try and understand the other side. I don't. I didn't say that either. She didn't say that, and I didn't say well, that. Then th- this is a problem when instead of sticking to one thing, we end up just sort of adding on layers, and then I don't understand what we're really talking about in a moment. But that was one of the big things that struck me is that she wants or believes that Wall Street is a great regulator of itself. When I totally agree with Bernie that Wall Street doesn't regulate itself, Wall Street regulates Congress. And that is a massive problem that neither of these candidates have addressed. Even if we reverse Citizens United, which I think is very, very important, there's still a whole lot of other corruption that's gone on, that's allowed, that is the very reason why I went to D.C. and got arrested was to bring attention to five bills that are already up there that could be voted on tomorrow. I mean, they're not going to be voted on tomorrow because who are we kidding? But... There's a lot more to it than just Citizens United, although I do appreciate that at least she mentioned it so that people who don't even know about it can say, what's Citizens United, and hopefully Google it. And hopefully it's on HillaryClinton.com. I don't know if it is, but <laughs> they should look into what it is. Um, and uh, they're uh, – scroll down. I missed it. <laughs> nah, I should have written it down. But – uh, I, I just I just yes, wanted to point out the fact that, that the, the 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 quote that came out uh, in terms of WikiLeaks, in terms of the transcripts, was – I believe no one knows the industry as good as you. That does not mean that they are going to be the ones regulating themselves. That means that, hey, you know your industry. Let me bring you to the table. We're going to have that conversation. And then that's what we're going to do. I think for a lot of people after the housing crisis, the way that that was handled and the... Really? They're they're the ones that know the most? I'm just saying. It's just After that happened, people are just like, look look what happened to the people in charge of those big banks. All the people lost their money. We know that they knew in advance what was about to go down. And then they stood up there, testified, oh, we had no idea. There was a very boring movie nominated for an Oscar about it. (laughs) That people told me it was great. Yeah, no, I get it. People knew, and some people made a lot Which of money. Boring movie. The Big Short. It was not boring. I love. 
I like that Selena Gomez was in it. I like that You've Margot Robbie was in it. You've got to be kidding me. I, I, we did a I, great show on Popcorn Talk, actually, about I, that. I would have enjoyed movie. a documentary about it instead of a dramatization. That's actually what it came down well, to. Well, there are many of them. Well, I, can, please, I can point them out to you. Please point them out. I mean, I would sure like you to see Pay to Play. That would be By a way, good place when to you start. Were, when you were talking before uh, about Wall Street, I felt like this is when Stephen would have mentioned Clinton Cash. <laughs> he definitely would have mentioned Clinton Cash, so I feel like it's my job because he's he not here. We have a lot of empty seats. I just wanted to make sure it was mentioned uh, at some point. And then I, I do keep hitting the table. It was pointed out to me earlier. Uh, anyway, uh, there's so many things that were talked about uh, during the course of the debate. There were occasionally some issues. Um, uh, there were some good ones. That there were some good up. ones. They talked about health care. They talked. He talked about uh, Donald Trump talked about how Obamacare is a disaster. Drink, uh, and that you know the numbers are going up like we've never seen anywhere around the world. It'll explode in 2017. That sounds like a lot of what rhetoric. What I didn't understand is why Hillary did. Donald Trump said she wants a single payer yeah. uh, system. She didn't mention anything about it, although she does. And I think there's a difference between a Canadian single payer system and a single payer option. Well, one point that I did want to bring up that he mentioned about Canada, and I, I've read articles about this, not in recent years, but the way that their healthcare system is, there are certain procedures that uh, Canadians will indeed come across the border to the United States because the wait is like two years, and if you wait around Canada, you will probably die if you get it, if you wait for it. So they come to America. So there are definitely problems with the Canadian healthcare system, which obviously, you know, there are like 40 people that live in Canada, and we have a few more. I'm joking, Canadian friends. However, there are a lot less people. It's a big landmass, but there aren't as many people. It's a little bit easier to manage the health care when you have that many people. And I don't know that he mentioned it articulately, but it is a point to make about, you know, like you're saying, you know, where they both stand on it. I'd like to know what he wants to do. We've got to fix it and get rid of it. I don't know that that's on DonaldJTrump.com. If Steven was here, I'd ask him. He'd probably say it's not. But if you are going to get rid of it and replace it, what what are just a couple? You know, don't map the whole thing out, but give us a couple of points for how you're going to change but it. But I don't think that that Donald Trump could know how to repeal and replace it because Republicans over the past seven years have not been able to come up with a policy to repeal. Uh, their their replacement option to do that. So, um, you know, the only thing that we know out of repealing Obamacare is that 20 million plus people would be uninsured again and that it would cost the American government over $130 billion to do that. So I think that at the end of the day, uh, Secretary Clinton and Democrats are right in the direction that they want to help build on a system that everybody and uh, President Obama himself has said there are problems with it and has wanted to sign legislation that would correct some of the holes, but the Republican Congress just sort of stonewalls so that they can make Obama appear to be a bigger failure than he actually is or you know would be if they just got some work done. Uh, referring back to the uh, undecided Muslim uh, woman who asked the question, uh, there were some notes that I took. Uh, Donald Trump said, Islamophobia is a shame. We should make sure this is this part's not a direct quote. Uh, make sure that Muslims report when they see problems. He said that that was the case in San Bernardino. Uh, Factcheck.org pointed out that he was wrong about that, about people seeing the bombs and just not reporting them. Uh, his point is, is certainly a valid one. We've talked about the phrase radical Islamic terror on this show. Uh, I think that his approach to handling Muslims, whether they're here already, whether they're coming in or whatever, any people coming in, is probably not the best approach. He has a point about, you know, 
if you see something, say something. Yeah, but and, you can't make people mandatory reporters. Right. But, it, you know, <laughs> you can encourage them and you would hope they would do it. But, yes, you can't pass legislation that, you know, you better, you know, rat out your people for the government. I mean, the, the, the question was, how will you help people like me who have been perceived as a threat to the country? He didn't speak to that at all. Right. And I don't think that he... So, first of all, not only did he talk about Islamophobia being a shame, he also talked about Muslims in the country being a Trojan horse. Um, um, you know, and he talked about bombings in San Bernardino, and we all know that San Bernardino didn't have any bombs going off as far as I remember. There weren't no, any bombs going off. So, I, I don't think he actually knows what happened, what goes on around the country just as much as he doesn't Do know you think what goes he's on ever around been the world. San Bernardino? I don't think he's ever set foot in San Bernardino yeah. like he hasn't set foot in Oakland uh, or any place that black people live, because I think he all thinks that black people live in inner cities um, around the country. But to your point on Isla- uh, radical Islamic terrorism, I think that the new phrase that Hillary Clinton tested out tonight was violent jihadist terrorists, um, which I think that that is going to be the new Democrat phrase if they choose to latch on to something it's like better that. better because they don't want to use the word Islamic right. in what they're, the I mean, name of the enemy. I mean, if they're talking about the issue, I don't really care if they call it puppies and kittens. It's, if they're actually right. talking about taking a stand though. against it, is it? No, I understand words why that important. words are important, but, you know, as Donald Trump said, she'll talk and talk, but she'll never do anything. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Because I would she's like, not a dictator. I would like she things never... to be done. Uh, sort of on a similar issue, uh, it was a pretty uh, terrible thing that seemed to have uh, fallen by the wayside. Oh, wait, and we forgot to mention that Donald Trump's rebuttal to this question um, ended up coming by, about drugs are pouring into our country and ICE has he endorsed did me. That, yeah. For, oh. But Secretary Clinton didn't correct. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you're, I mean, there were moments that Secretary Clinton could have. Really said, well, Donald, I'm sorry, ICE can't really endorse people. And I think that that's another lesson in civics. That I think the, and it's also been, 90 minutes. What are you right. going to get out of you know refuting that? Uh, but there was something he said that I wanted to make sure that we got in here before we ran out of time. Was that he – it doesn't even matter the context really. He said that – uh, Captain Khan, I hope he was a captain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Captain Khan uh, was an American hero. That if part's I, great to say. If I'd been president, he'd be alive and uh, get your children away. But uh, I saw something online from uh, Jesse Larrick, who is a foreign policy spokesman for Hillary Rodham Clinton. And he uh, took that quote and he responded in a tweet, go fuck yourself. So uh, I think that. I don't know why he feels like he needs to say things like that because I guess it just sort of reinforces the I, I'm going to be the greatest president ever. It's going to be huge. I'm going to make sure I do everything. I'll give you – I'm going to grab you right in the pussy America and I'm going to take charge of you. And I, I mean I think he thinks he, you know, he's helping. He's keeping everybody safe. But to say that, it's just such a terrible thing. Like, you know, I, I – Look, there are definitely presidents that I think we can all say that we disagree with their policies. I can't imagine what it's like to make those decisions that I think the best thing to do is to send our men and women in uniform off to fight this particular conflict. And then when you have to either write or call or however you communicate with a parent that, yes, my decision meant that your child is no longer with us. I can't imagine how hard that is. And for Donald Trump to just say, like, yeah, I'm not going to have to do it because I'm going to be so good at it, that's not even a major issue. But it's so fundamentally, to me, represents 
just the way he looks at the world, right. and that he is going to be the greatest. And well, he also thinks taxes are the highest in this country when in actuality they're just they're not. not. Um, but I think do, that, do British celebrities still move here so that they don't have to pay like ninety you know, percent in Piers, taxes? Piers Morgan spends a lot of time uh, defending Donald Trump on Twitter, so I'm sure that in Donald Trump's America, uh, Piers Morgan would spend his time uh, move back here. Um, but um, I also think that Donald Trump would spend more time not deploying uh, our troops around the world, but actually our troops uh, to uh, take out his political opponents around the country. So I think he would nationalize the, uh, you know, uh, 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 federalize the National Guard and then uh, have them uh, go after political opponents around the country. So, uh, but that's Trump's America because that's what he believes. Uh, Kimberly Kurzakowski, or Kurzakowski, my apologies, Kimberly, one of our uh, most ardent fans, says Trump says the things that he does because he is an entitled prick who believes he can say or do anything he wants and receive no consequences. I think that that's probably in the description of you know being a million or possibly billionaire. Uh, I think a lot of politicians feel that way too. But you know, I uh, it, it's a, it's a great point. Um, I, I also want to bring up the before we close tonight, and, yeah. and, and everybody oh, starts and everybody very close. and everybody yes. starts to see you know this next round of polling and that comes out, and people are going to be talking. This about is going to be fascinating. I think that at the end of the day, that people have to remember that online polls mean very nothing, very little. Very little. They don't yeah. mean anything. They're not scientific polls. And nobody actually goes on there. I could I could pull up a tweet a Twitter poll, and people would you know, and Donald Trump and his camp would uh, would make it a legitimate poll, uh, and, and so it. it it's easy for uh, multiple people to click multiple times on these polls, so I don't want people to take away uh, the next few days um, thinking that Donald Trump somehow won this Right. Oh, I, I saw an article that there had been an internal memo at Fox News reminding right. everyone well, that— Well, reminding Sean Hannity, basically. Well, yeah, but— Call yeah, Sean Hannity. But because of call Sean Hannity, everybody else at the network needs to be reminded, you right. know, online polls are actually, you know, not what we're using— <clears throat> excuse me, not what we're basing uh, any sort of— not even predictions, but it's not what we're using as a reference for, you know, how the polls are going. And, yeah, you know, whatever the polls say a week from now, I'm going to be fascinated because uh, if there's not that much movement, that'll be, uh, let's just say, a little surprising. And speaking of next time, uh, we will be back Next Wednesday. It's a long time from now. So much is going to happen. Is Mike Mike Pence going to even be on the ticket anymore? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But we'll be back next Wednesday, October 19th. My mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Mama Heard. Uh, after the third and final presidential debate, uh, Stephen Helmkamp will not be here. He will be staying at the Trump Tower. Trying to find his policies in Trump Tower. In, the in, in Las Vegas. Uh, so we will be back at uh, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, Wednesday the 19th, uh, after which we're going to go back to our regular time slot of Tuesdays. But you know what? That's only three shows. That third show is going to be election night. So it's already – it's here basically. So before you know it, uh, thanks everybody in the chat room. And uh, for those of you listening after the fact, please follow us on Twitter at TrumpHillary16. Send us your thoughts. Uh, comment on the YouTube post to the archive and uh, we'll be happy to read them on a future show. Uh, for the absent Scott Moore, the absent Stephen Helmkamp, Chelsea Galicia at Chelsea Galicia, Drexel Hurd at Drexel Hurd. I'm Christian Blatt at Christian DMZ, and we will see you next Wednesday, October 19th at 8 Pacific. See you all then. Thanks. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. 
to watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.